0: Hello and welcome to the Me Palabra podcast brought to you by Link Media. I am Nick Lensender and I am here with J.P. Harada, my co-host. How are you doing, J.P.? Pretty good. Pretty good, good night. Pretty Thanks good night. Here. Um, so I'll have you go ahead and introduce. Uh, we have guests today, our second episode. So go ahead and introduce Yeah, uh,
1: We have uh, G. Mojia, who was a previous, or should I say, Rehabilitated Retired probation biggest. officer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a rehabilitated
2: probation officer, and uh, Mojia, uh, out of the crowd. Yeah, my name's uh, Gene Mojia. Like JP said, I've been, uh, I worked as a probation officer, believe it or not, for over 14 years. I'm a, I teach junior high right now, um, locally, but for the last like two years, but yeah, I worked for probation from. May two thousand five to July two thousand nineteen. So I did seven years at the boys' camp, and then seven years I like, got an actual like juvenile probation officer. And then once they moved me to adult, that's when I got I decided to leave and get into a new professional to And you were doing it just in Southern County, right? Yeah, South yeah. County Santa Barbara. So my job for the when I was a PO, my my even though. um Even though I didn't choose to be armed, and I specifically asked, so then don't give me the caseload with the, you know, most serious offenders. That's the first thing they did was give me that caseload, you know, because they said, (laughs) we need someone that's good with those kind of kids. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I had the kids that the county had labeled as the 25, quote, you know, worst worst offenders. And so that was, like, federal grant money we would get to supervise those kids. So anywhere from Kalita to CARP that Mm -hmm. had, like, you know, had had to be certain criteria, like have violent or serious felonies, uh you know, at least two years of
0: confinement time on their records, stuff like that, so. So, so you would get more money based upon the records of these people? Not
2: necessarily more money, but, yeah, I mean, it's, like, it was basically, like, a whole additional caseload, so a whole additional position, you know. So, there's more money allotted to that, essentially. Yeah, it was was money strictly allotted for that caseload to supervise, like, those kids, and so, that left the county, the choice that you know, we might not have even had 25, quote, worst offenders, but we had to come up with them, you know, so it's like we had to fill that case somehow. Yeah, so, so the, way, the way you label them, it gives you access to yeah, more money and totally. everything
1: else, okay. which is it's kind of crazy because we, we've we talked about this so many times before, too, on um, the way they label certain yeah. kids and then the hardship of trying to remove oh, yeah. those labels from them, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's what brings in the money, so... Yeah. And we'll get into a lot of that situation yeah. as well with everything from the gang kids. Because um, I remember during the South Coast Task Force, when they used to show the maps of, you know, Santa Barbara has 315 right. gang members of the hardcore. And then outside of it was 600 kids. Yeah. And it's then so I remember the following, yeah, <laughs> the following year, when they got the money from the federal government. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, there's only 60 in South Coast. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck! What happened to those other gangbangers?
2: Like, right? Something just faded yeah. away, like, it's like man." It depends. It depends who you're talking to. It's like you know, no one in uh, the news or anything wants people to know that there's mm-hmm. a, a quote gang problem in Santa Barbara. Like they want to ignore that stuff. You know, we have even you know mostly stabbings, but even recently, you know, shootings where it's like right. two people died, but they want to sweep that under the rug and just kind of not talk about it. But it's like, yeah, gangs have been around in Santa Barbara, but it's right. something. They really would prefer, even if it happens outside of Saks Fifth Avenue, like back in 05 or whenever yeah. it was, they it's just something they want to brush under the rug and just ignore and just, you know, they don't want it to ruin their, you know, their, their uh, image of Santa Barbara, the way they're portraying it and
0: whatnot. Yeah, no, that's, that's super interesting. So I guess let's start out with, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, sure. where you're from, and um, how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah,
2: so... I'll try to do it as quick as I can. It's kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I was uh, I was born and raised in San Francisco. So okay. I'm actually adopted. I was born too. Like my mother was a schizophrenic and my dad was, they don't have any idea. Like uh, she was like, in like homeless shelters and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I lived real briefly, you know, for a while with like a foster mom in Hunters Point, which if you've ever been to San Fran, is like probably the worst area you could go to. And so I lived there for a while until my, by, you know, my adopted family adopted me. So I was raised by like, Real traditional, like, uh, Roman Catholic, Italian-American families. Like, I don't I don't know if I'm actually Italian or whatever, but that's how I was raised, at least. Yeah. So, you know, my family spoke Italian. I had pasta at every meal, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, um, like, the neighborhood I was raised in, um, the Excelsior District, was, like, it's at one point it was called the Outer Mission. It's, like, so if you know anything about San Fran's layout, the Outer Mission is mostly, like, you know, the, quote-unquote, the Mexican district in, in San right. Francisco. I was, like, within the Outer Mission, where we lived, was... Kind of with gentrification, now if you go to the mission, it's all coffee shops, and, You know, it's all hip and so on. So, all that kind of stuff is kind of pushed its way towards. We're at the very bottom of the map, basically. So, we get cut off of the, the map of San Francisco quite a bit. It was like, so we were really the only white family for like blocks and blocks and blocks. It's like my whole family had pretty much you know, the whole white flight thing. As soon as minorities yeah. start moving in, the white people move out, it was totally like that. But mm. my mom was real stubborn, she had like a real. She wanted uh, her windows in her house a certain way so yeah, you could right. see the dining table from the street and mm-hmm. shit like that. So like, um, my mom like refused to leave the neighborhood and stuff. And so, you know, being the only white kid for blocks and blocks and blocks, it's like you know you kind of had to learn your street smarts real quick because yeah. and expect it. You know you gotta expect to be put them up when you're the only white kid for blocks and blocks. So it's like. Um, so I, I like to tell my kids, I got four kids, you know, I like to tell them, like, you guys have a slightly different uh, growing experience than I had. I was like, your, na- your school, your neighbor that you grew up in, nothing <laughs> like what I grew up around. So, um, you know, like in high school, we we were actually like the smallest group Or I, I went to, Lucky me, like an all boys Catholic high school in San Francisco, which was, you know, just, just as fun as it sounds. Yeah. It was kind of like, um, it was terrible. But <laughs> it was like, we were like the smallest group by far, you know, like we were probably eight to 10% mm-hmm. of the the school's population the white kids and you know in high school it was it was a weird way to be like brought up because it's like you know how san francisco is very progressive and Correct. stuff so yeah. i had a lot of that you know white rage that you see like you, know, like yeah. this, you know, americans mm-hmm. have now you yeah. know that, that kind of nonsense so it's like i kind of i get their mindset all oh, the crap they believe is nonsense right. but it's like i get the mindset because i yeah. kind of experienced that growing up it's like I got called white boys so much and cracker. So I thought that was my name for a while. You know? <laughs> so, you know, that that's the kind of shit oh, yeah. I experienced in high school. And then, you know, I ended up actually, I started off high school the first two years of 4.0. My last two years, I like, barely, I shouldn't even graduate, graduated like a 1.6. But I ended up clicking up with this like long time, like Irish gang that had been in town for uh-huh. years and years on the west side of San Francisco, so the Sunset District, Um which now is pretty much like a strictly Asian-American community but it used to be back in the day everything was enclaves, you know it's like the Excelsior was Italian people the Sunset was Irish people and so and the trippy part was you know it's like we did terrible stuff too. No, nothing different than you know like, like gangs don't do nowadays you know, violence like crazy it's Correct. just like drinking fighting like, yeah. the whole stereotype totally right. of this, the fighting Irish it's, it's, not, fighting. it's, not, <laughs> it's not it's not a stereotype it's like really so, so how the hell did you
1: end up having that particular life experience and everything else how did you end up with the whole QO
2: yeah so that's it's it's unique that I got to that position because it's like you know I, I knew I knew as I was graduating high school that like where I went to school, directly across the street was City College. And I knew how bad I was fucking up. I, I was on probation. I had all these things. I was failing my classes. I didn't really care. It's like, I didn't... At that time in my life, I was kind of like, I could care less if I live on 25 and drink myself to death. It don't matter. It's like right. you know, so I just had that mentality. So I um, you was know, just drinking and fighting every day, that kind of thing. I said, but I had a counselor when I was on probation because I was required to go see a counselor. Yeah. It's all the usual kind of shit, you know? So um, yeah. I'd have this... Catholic brother that would pull me aside, but one most specific counselor pulled me aside and was like, look, if you don't leave this area, you're never going to stop getting in trouble. You're going to end up in big county jail, which right. is right by me where my dad worked. <laughs> he's like, "He's like, you're going to end up in big county jail before you know it, and I was like, she's got a point. And I was like, you know. So I knew that in my head. I just couldn't get into any schools. so. Yeah. Um, and I tried to follow. I, I knew the girl that I met at the time in high school was a total goody two-shoes, and I was right. like, all right, this is my ticket out right here, so. <laughs> I tried to follow her down to UCSB, but I didn't have the grades. So I tried to convince mm-hmm. my parents, hey, send me to Santa Barbara City College. Barbara, and my too. dad's like, his nursery literally, like, City College bought it later because he butted up right next uh-huh. to each other. And so my dad's like, I'm not paying this in you to no damn City College. <laughs> He's like, you can go here. But it was literally, you walk out the front doors of my high school, and it was right there across yeah. the street. Yeah. So luckily, since they're so Catholic, we found this Catholic school, junior college down in, like, um, rancho palos verdes super rich area that oh, right. and so they were happy to send me there because it's catholic so right. that was that was the way i got out of there and of course you know i went through the usual oh you're a pussy you're not hanging out anymore this and that but that was the way i got away from you know all that and then uh you know once i got to ucsb that once i did you know i got when i was at the jc just mm-hmm. to, to fly through it i, I kind of just i got my AA. I got my grades of it and when i got to ucsb that really really like kind of rocked my world and like changed my outlook on everything because i kind of knew since day one going living through what i lived through, like just the world's kind of a fucked up place it just yeah. what i me mean? so problems all around it's like but at the time you know when i was young and stupid i was i would attribute it to race or whatever well yeah I was that's like, your immediate circle so that's yeah, what you see and exactly. it reinforces I, was like, I didn't really have much choice and i said that was literally like the for the option of friends i had with right. me because no one else would hang out with you except yeah. the white kids you know so it's like um, but once I got to UCSB and I started, you know, I took, I minored in black studies. I took sociology and the stuff that I was learning, I mean, I just soaked it up like instantly. Like I was actually, at that point in my life, I, I thought it was stupid because I graduated with 1.6 and I was just like, you know, but I wasn't really applying myself. It's like, I remember walking on my first day at UCSB with, I knew I, I knew I only had 12 units. My girlfriend had to sign me up for the classes because I didn't even know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I had 14 books for like a 10 week long quarter. I wow. like, shit, I'm going to fail out of this, but... The stuff I learned was just so, like, interesting. I was learning about, like, you know, peasant rebellions in Costa Rica and all right. I was learning about class, which is something I never even thought before. And it's like, you know, my dad being pretty well off, despite where we lived or whatever, like, he did really well with his business and stuff in the yeah. 80s. So he had money, and so he'd always teach me, you know, unions are bad, and Democrats are bad, and all this like, bullshit about, you know, illegal immigrants and this and that. And I'm like, honestly, white people rushing to do these jobs. Like, right. Okay, whatever. It's like, but that UCSB is kind of what shaped my... I mean, it really did shape my my uh, worldview uh-huh. as far as, like, class. I started looking at the world through the lens of, like, when you look at it through the lens of class and, like, the people that have stuff and the people that don't, the haves and the have-nots, it's like that's kind of changed my whole outlook on everything. So right. I was, like, a student activist in college. Once I graduated UCSB, I started working at Devereaux just because it was, like, we got a, I honestly, it was, like, I got an email that said, are you ready for a challenge as we were okay. graduating? And I was, like, nah but i need a job like as soon as i graduated so i started working there and since it was kids with emotional disturbance and i was i was good with those kids pretty much (laughs) off the bat um so a friend of mine i worked there ended up working at the juvenile hall briefly before becoming a deputy Mm -hmm. and he's all dude you have to apply for this job at the hall you have to i was like fuck that i'm not gonna be a pro i was like Mm -hmm. like a cop i was like hell no i'm not doing that he's just like he's not it's not even like that it's like you'd be so good with these kids i was like. Yeah, I don't doubt that. I said, but I ain't, I said, you gotta wear like a belt and all that shit? And he's like, yeah, I got like, no, I ain't doing that. But he talked me into applying and I'm thinking, if they dig far enough, like, they're gonna find something in my exactly. background that's gonna disbar me from getting hired, but they never did. Like You're white though, man. Exactly. They, they o- don't overlook a lot of that shit. One thing I, I didn't mention was that, um, that gang that I was from in, in San Francisco, it was called Sunset District Irish. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you'll hear Sunset district incorporated you can even google it, you'll find articles about all this shit they've done they've been around for just decades and decades mm-hmm. a lot of the cops in san francisco are irish that's a real common thing so it's like we, d- we we would have cops that would literally roll around they knew where we kicked it at yeah. they'd come by stern grover we would kick it off 19th and slow and they'd come by and be like hey guys there's rookies coming by tonight. you guys might want to balance and go you know split somewhere else so mm-hmm. we, we would get we, the white privilege was nuts it was like we had cops that literally would just Kind of like the people yeah. that open the, the, the gates for the people at the Capitol and like come on oh, yeah. you know, it was like that. It was like hey things don't want to bounce, you know don't you don't want to get you in trouble. So Yo,
1: know, j- just so retouch on, on some of the things that you said because you know you, you felt that you weren't very smart coming mm-hmm. out of high school and everything yeah. else. But I think it's safe to say that you were more concerned about shit that was going on around you. Yeah, yeah. That you gotta focus on totally. and not so much on the school setting. Nah. Which I think reflects back on any community of totally. color is the same exact shit like yeah you're you know, telling me to read this but i'm like do i'm thinking about getting jumped two or three times already yeah, on the way i
2: down. i i was worried more about the bus ride home and you know was yeah. I gonna was i going to make it from the bus stop to my pad without getting Correct. jumped for my starter jacket or whatever you yeah. know it's just like that kind of shit it's like so
1: I, I think it's important for for people to know that like you know because yeah. a lot of us I, I know from my community we always think about like well fuck, i'm not as smart as that white kid or yeah i'm not this but you have to put it in perspective, like you are. You just have other shit you need to right. worry about more than just the right. school thing, you know. Exactly. And so I just want to make sure
2: that people understand that part. It's like the white privilege comes into play for sure, but but like the class impact, like it has on your like mentality is like right. it's huge. It's like you still you still pick up that that you know. I remember like we'd have parties. We had literally like when I, when I say a crack house, it really was a crack house yeah. like directly. But in San Fran, you know, the backyards butt up against each right. other. We'd have this crack house right behind us where people were always coming and going. We knew what was going on there. People were, like, peeing in the yard and doing this stuff. And, and my dad kept calling the cops, trying to get them to come up and break out the party since it was that neighborhood. They right. didn't show up till the following day. This party's at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. They showed up the next day at 4 in the afternoon. Like, so, was there a disturbance? We're like, well, been <laughs> late now. Yeah. I was like, yeah, <laughs> shit, if we knew that, we could say, hey, Dad, tell them you're white. And maybe they'd like pick up the pace and come out here. And it's like, but.
1: Dude, we've done the same shit here, too, <laughs> at the Foodland. Yeah. Land.
2: yeah. The
1: guy was calling over some crazy homeless guy that was blocking traffic laying in the middle of the road and everything else. And the guy's like, I've been calling the fucking cops and nobody shows up. <laughs> and I told him, I said, dude, you want the cops to show up here? I'm going to tell him that's a gangbanger, <laughs> yeah. Mexican gangbanger. Yeah. And he's all, what am I? Yeah, try it. He did it literally yeah. within a minute and a half. Somebody was already there. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God, I'm like, just don't take advantage of that shit. Yeah, but yeah. just, you know, once you he get here, it's just cute. link to him." It's that guy, not a real yeah. gangbanger, like. Yeah. But that's just the way that they react to shit. Yeah. So they
2: they pretty much would just respond the next day just to show on their report that they re- responded. So, it's like they didn't do shit about anything. So. Yeah, it's a game, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's a game that they play. So, yeah, so. that was that was kind of my background, where as to how far he gets so far he got me to apply to the job. I didn't I didn't think I'd get it. You know, right. cause I was like, they'll find something in my background. I was straight up on my background, and you know, I I, I never got cited for anything. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's like being white. It's like. I got stopped all the time, you know, the FI cards or they ask you your yeah. name and your what's your gang affiliation, you know, I don't have one. Alright, since the district of Irish, I'm like, what the hell? I just said I don't have one, you know. Yeah. Like, but they'd ask me all the usual questions and all that yeah. stuff, but 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 I never had like a, a record. I never had to go to court or nothing. It's like I know being white didn't play no small role in that. So it's like Yeah. You know, but uh I got the job, like I actually was in grad school to become a I was getting my teaching credential and suddenly the you know, probation department called saying, you know, we have a a part-time gig at the hall, uh, or a full-time gig at Los Peros Boys Camp, and I wasn't even that familiar with the area, what the fuck is a boys camp, you know, I, was like, I was like, sure, yeah. give me full-time, because I just need the benefits and the money, you know? and exactly. so I dropped out of grad school, when they told me how much I'd be getting paid, it was like a no-brainer, so I was like, I didn't really even think much about it, I was like, and I'm scared yeah. of heights, so I didn't know the drive I was gonna have to be doing either, so <laughs> I was just like, I took the job, and that's how I ended up there. I never expected to like actually pass background. I was like, man, you guys suck at your background. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> but it got you through the door. Yeah, exactly. So yeah.
0: how, much, how much of it do you attribute to potentially the, the situations you were surrounded with and the people you were surrounded with growing up and that just happened to be in the area and that you're friends versus maybe decisions and different things that, that you personally made? And it could be a combination of both. Um, but how, how much do you think that intertwined with, with all that, all
2: I that mean, stuff?
0: I mean, yeah, I know what
2: you're saying. It's like, it's like the stuff that I did. It's like I, I mean, I had like cousins that, that were smart and stayed out of that kind of shit. Went, we went to the same high school, but one of my cousins is actually a SFPD officer now. It's like, he always knew he wanted to be, when we were kids and we'd play, you know, guns with each other and stuff, he always all wanted right. to be the good guy. He always wanted to be the cop, whatever. So sure enough, he i tell him, come kick it, you know, and he, he never wanted to kick it with us. So it's like, yeah, I, a, lot, a huge part of it was, did I have a choice to, to you know, not get involved with those guys? I could have, right. but it was just kind of like in my nature where, it's like I said, I know my biology has something to do with it because right. there was nobody else in my family that drank the way I did. There's no one else in my family that was violent at all. Like, so it was like, I know my biological makeup, like mental health stuff, like with my mom being schizophrenic, I had to have
0: some role in it. That, yeah, it was, that's definitely a role in it. I mean... The circumstance, opportunity, and then your past—having right. your mom's schizophrenia and all right. that different stuff—I'm I'm sure that it all, it all kind of Absolutely. combined to 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 that um, scenario. Uh, JP, did you have something? No, no, that? no, man.
1: I mean, it definitely, I understand where you're coming from. You yeah. know, we're different backgrounds and everything else. But at the end of the day, I think we all do make our choices. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes we don't have all the information in front mm-hmm. of us, so we don't make the best choices. But yeah, definitely. You know, just just have to take accountability for what you yeah. do and kind of move forward on
2: it. Yeah, I mean, I remember being in eighth grade. You know, in San Fran, you don't just get placed like wherever I mean, there's tons of schools. Up Correct. There. So it's like I remember in eighth grade taking a tour of schools, and there was one in the in the Sunset District, and they were. Excited. I remember hearing in eighth grade they were like, you know, there'' were on free dress days. You're not allowed to wear green because of this local neighborhood gang. And I remember instantly being like interested. Being like, what neighborhood gang? You know, so yeah. they, they didn't really want to talk much about it. Me being kind of, like, naturally, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, having those, like, aggro-violent tendencies that kind of, like, sparked my interest immediately. So as soon as I ever ran into those guys in high school, it was just <laughs> a perfect storm, you know? It was just bad bad mix. Angry like, kid, man. Angry a kid, and you run to the streets. And alcohol. Yeah. Man. It's just, like, yeah, it's bad a, combo. Bad. Bad combo Dude, that's crazy, man. And the cops letting us off the hook with everything don't help matters either, so, you know, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, but it is what it is. It's like, you, got, you know, I, I don't... I always say it's like, there's plenty of shit I regret, but it's like, you know, it's all stuff that, that got me to where I'm at today, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. So, hey, um, when you were working with probation,
1: how soon did you move up to where you were responsible for writing the, the terms and conditions right. or certain reports that exactly. you had to turn over to the court?
2: Yeah, uh, I actually... Because once I was at UCSB, I realized, like, what a good writer I was. That was my good, that was my skill, pretty much. I, I was terrible. I'm still terrible at math. Like, I, like when I when I teach math now, I let my, my TA do it. You know, it's just like I suck at math. It's like, but <laughs> yeah. I knew I was a good writer. So That's it's right. like, my writing skills got me, you know, even at the voice camp, it was supposed to be a solid two years before you could promote. Well, I promoted, you know, within 11 months, I was running the dorm, you know, and writing because I was writing all these reports right. and stuff on the kids. And my reports were just so much more detailed than the other... POs, which That's interesting. really would work to the be- the benefit of the DA, because then they can use all that information, you know, these mm-hmm. kids, because they're comfortable with right. me, would tell me shit, yeah. and, you know, if it, if it lands in a report, the DA runs with it, and just uses it against them, like, oh, cool, this is enough yeah. for a gang enhancement, it's like, whether or not the kid, the the fight could have been over a girl, or something the kid yeah. said, or spit on him or whatever, but the kids, all they need, they're, they're just looking for that piece of info about their, their gang affiliation, right. and then they can run mm-hmm. with that, you know, so it's like, um, but then, once I was at probation itself like i uh i i kind of moved up pretty quickly there like I was pretty well respected like within my unit. so it 's a, a small unit you know so it 's like i 'd say within the first my first year there was we, it pretty much took me a year to learn the job you know it's like right. so it 's pretty it was a pretty intense job to learn but uh like I said, they gave me the hardest kids right off the bat and then but i'd say after a year i I already won like you know p o of the year like you know like county County wide, like the first time they they did it county wide, they're wow. like, well, there's no way from Santa Barbara to juvenile someone's gonna win it. You know, it's the smallest unit, but but yeah. I won. You know, it's just like so. Um, wow. I they started giving me additional responsibilities almost immediately, so it's like. When I was a field supervision PO, you know, I have to actually go visit the kids in their homes. You don't have as much say as to what goes into their terms and conditions. It just kind of lands on your desk and it is what it is. Did what you have to abide by, yeah. But, you know, as a PO, you do have the discretion to kind of, it's all in your interpretation of how, like, you know, like, right. like term and condition number one is obey the, the orders of your mom and dad and Correct. whatever and probation officer. I mean, a PO can interpret that a million different ways. Like I, 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 I can interpret it one way. Another PO might say, oh you're disobeying my orders and I'm going to take you in for a violation or whatever. Mm -hmm. it's like, so, um, I, but when I actually started writing court investigations reports, I was probably, you know, I, I got my promotion seven years in. That's when I became a PO. So seven out of my 14 years were at the camp. But the last seven, I'd say about three, four years in is when I started writing, like, investigations reports. Okay. And that's where you actually, like, you know, you interview the kid, you interview their parents, you get their parents' criminal background. You really get, like, the full story. You document everything. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Everything. Like, you get, you document as much as you can. You're pulling, and we used to have to include the parents' entire criminal histories, both parents. And it's like, I don't see how that's pertinent, like, to 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 this case, but whatever.
0: It's like, and I always advocated for, why why can't we just summarize it? But they wanted everything, so. Yeah, but. no, I mean, that that's interesting. Because, I mean, I, that kind of more gets into, like, the psychology of, like, the right. background of the person. And, right. and what they grew up with and what they were susceptible to and that, that stuff. And it's interesting yeah. how they have you include all of that.
2: And I only found out later that they use that information in, in the risk assessments that they do. You know, it's, like, in the risk assessments and they're all based on, like, algorithms and shit like that. But it's like. It's like the risk assessments will tell you, like, well, based on your familial cr- criminality. You know, it's right. like hit, your family's history of crime, then you're this you're this much, you're high risk because you're this much more likely. So to, they attribute a lot of it to that. Yeah. That's, yeah. Interesting. that's That's interesting. That's bullshit. It's, yeah. how, it's how they use it, though. So, yeah, you, you end up on probation for something real minor, like habitual truancy or something Correct. like that. But you got an older brother that's a gangbanger or something like that. They're going to see that and be like, oh, brother's a gangbanger. That's going to be risk score big time. Talk about like,
1: the sins of the father. Yeah. Are not supposed oh, to be God. paid by the son. Like, it's, that's the way it is. It, they, it does end up. Real quick, let, let me see if I get this right, right? So, when you get caught up into the system, let's say you're a juvenile, you get arrested, right? Mm-hmm. Once you get arrested, you go in and guilty, not guilty, mm-hmm. however you're going to plead right? You have your attorney there. And then after that, probation, then they're supposed to go in and interview you and based on that interview you make your report your recommendations Mm -hmm. and then give it to the court and then the da and the attorneys discuss what outcomes are going to come right Mm -hmm. so have you ever had one side or the other tell you like no this isn't what we want we want to do
2: this we want to do that oh yeah and is it okay for them to do that no so only one time did I ever have a judge send my recommendation back and say this is too lenient. So as far as that goes, but as All far right. as like the attorneys, no, neither side, neither side should be contacting you saying like, hey, you know, you think we could uh, work out a deal. It's like that's not supposed to. Right. I mean, you can hear them out, but you're supposed to be an impartial party. You know what right. I mean? Like I like I mentioned before, it's like we've kind of. It's like, whatever the case is, it's the culture of, like the department itself. It's like, and I'm sure it's like that in most probation departments, but. Right. I hate to say it is like but it's, I i look at my coworkers, I was nothing like any of them. It's like they really did all just seem like like people that failed police academy and just like, Well, I guess I'll be a probation officer and so it's like so I just had all these wannabe cops around me and I was there thinking, putting serious thought into these recommendations, all right. like, all right if the, the, the crime is related to alcohol, I want to make the terms and conditions and the consequence relevant to what what the kid did. You know, what what's the best treatment for this kid that's right. going to help him to get this kid off probation? Isn't that the goal? It's to, like,
0: rehabilitate him and get him off. It's well, not, and, that, and that's, thing. that's to, at least from an outsider's perspective, that seems how it should be, Right. right? I mean, Period. like, it, the person should be wanting the best for that person as a basis and contextually understanding what actually right. happened and not just going within constraints of whatever the system is saying that should happen right yeah i mean that's what that's that's how i'm looking at that yeah and it's like
2: it's it used to drive me nuts i'd be like dead silent during most like unit meetings it's like and when i would pipe up it was always with like ideas that i have that literally they would adopt five years down the line i'm like i could have sworn i said this five years ago in a meeting you know it's like like i was telling jp you know like say a minor violation you know like i would look at minor violations like habitual truancy and you know positive tests for marijuana it's like as far as i'm concerned when i got kids on my caseload that are on there for you know yeah. serious and violent felonies smoking weed and missing school is not the biggest concern right that I had, correct you know what i for mean sure. when i got 25 30 kids to supervise but right. there's other po's that would just take those two things alone and and you know you might have a a list of of, of attendance or you've been going for weeks and weeks but you missed yeah. a few days they're just going to nitpick those few days so you missed this many days many positive tests and send you camp for six months. Right. So it yeah. was kind of like all, a lot dependent on whoever whoever you end up, whoever PO end up getting your report, right. determine a lot with 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 what the consequences That's the problem. I mean
0: that that that's there, a huge Like problem. that shouldn't be a factor. No. I mean it shouldn't be a factor of oh you got this person so then the the situation is going to go this way. Right. It should be fair and equal upon everybody. Yeah. Well, take it a step further, man.
1: I've had I've been on probation since the age of twelve. I didn't get off till I was thirty-five. Yeah. Right. And I know for a fact some of the reports that came back on me, I never was even interviewed by oh, a yeah. probation officer that I never even met. But yet <laughs> this individual's turning in a report, and I'm like, when the hell did you talk to they me? They probably said I... they tried to contact you and couldn't, and they just proceeded right ahead. Yeah. The yeah. I've had a couple of friends who actually have life sentences because of the report the probation officer <laughs> did. And when I was helping them out, I was like, well, when did you interview with them? Dude, I don't even know who this PO is. Like, I've never met this individual. Yeah. So, and then parents, parents as well. Mm -hmm. Always asking me, do you know this probation officer? Do you know this one or whatever? You know, if I know them, I'll be like, yeah, I know them. And I'll try to have a conversation with them. But for the most part, a lot of these parents are getting reports that they don't even know
2: anything that's going on with the kid. Well, and and in general, like the the court, like... The way the process moves, I mean, you've been through court and stuff. It's like the, the process moves so fast because mm-hmm. the attorneys are just there to just, just you know, what does the DA care about? Their conviction, right? It's like, you know, just like the public defender like, <laughs> to get the kid off the case or whatever yeah. to get the best possible outcome it's like but they're just moving through the process no one's explaining shit to the kid yeah. no one's explaining the terms of yeah, to the sure parents. A... you see the parents turning to the translator like what the hell's going on and they're trying to keep up they and tell no them idea, that, they don't know what's going on so it's like yeah. i always made sure that at my first office visit with the kid to go over everything with them and I knew po's i would sit there and read their terms and conditions one by one word by word i'm like dude the kid knows how to read I was like, just break it down for them as to what you yeah like what it them. means yes actually. yeah you know, put it in simple it? terms this is what's expected of you and if you can do xyz this is how you Correct. get on probation that that's how i would focus my first office is look this is what you've been you know they don't call it convicted in the juvenile was adjudicated this is what you've been adjudicated of and this is what the court's asking you to do and if you and i would pretty much if you can do xyz by this date usually right. like six months they typically would look for six months you know with no issues really with misdemeanors and a year for a felony okay. but it really was up to the po like i was able you know if i had kids in my case that were doing well despite the felony or whatever it's like if they had six months eight months or they're doing well the whole time i would take them off probation with no problem any so. consequences for that uh only for my supervisor that would be like when did this report get approved and you know i'd be like well i kind of you know you were off that day so i gave it to to, to another <laughs> senior or something like that yeah. like, did they approve this yeah yeah they approved it and i get it signed off on but like you know but the kids are always grateful naturally so so i and you know like you were saying just a little bit ago but i had kids that the fucked up part of it was you know my case said so you had to have like strict guidelines to make it on my right. case list. so i had kids like hey are you are you mr OJ? you come in like for testing I'm like, yeah mr moja it's like hey uh how do i get on your case load? and i'm like i ain't even gonna tell you dude because i ain't trying to have you go out there committing felonies just to get on my case load. you know because yeah. i had kids that would they, they were just dying to get on my case so just i heard you get kids off probation i'm like it shouldn't be that way. Where there's yeah. one PO that they've yeah. heard of, like by name, that that gets kids so, off probation. So that that's
0: that's definitely that's a main thing. What in your mind? Why is there such a gap between different POs from from the way you did it? Which right. may seem, at least to me, just from looking at it from an outsider's perspective, it seems more logical right. and it makes sense. And you're looking for the betterment of mm-hmm. the the person and and their future versus what you may see a lot of the time yeah. and why people don't want to get with different po's right. that, that happen to be in the system i i in my opinion like
2: as far as like the the difference in how P, po's i mean two things one I, I can talk about the matrix later, but i always had right. this idea that we should have some kind of matrix where it's like if you got these kind of criteria you know this is the minor violation you committed this should be your your list of possible consequences that way every single kid gets treated equally which i kept pitching that idea and they didn't adopt it for so years. that's not that's not it, it did become a thing eventually oh, oh, yeah, we yeah. stole we stole it from slow County's version and didn't bother to change anything and just kind of implemented. it but i had been asking for that for years so right? this is which, county by county county by county this know? is different that's, yeah that's one and, and the po it's like I, they won't tell you that but it's like the po has like a ton of discretion and power wow. over like what ends up happening to that kid so it's like in my opinion it's like The best probation employees I saw, whether it was at camp, whether it was a field supervision officer, it's, like, the people that had, like, life experience, you know? It's, like, people that grew up where I grew up, people that grew up in Oxnard, people that grew up on the west side of SB, it's, like, they knew people that that were on probation growing up. They knew gang members. It's, like, they had some life experience that was more reeled and like I mean when you when you have to your background has to be like squeaky clean correct you're gonna get nothing but squeaky clean POs and they don't have that kind of disconnected the disconnect is huge cause like they look at the kid as just this kid's a criminal he's not behaving he's not doing correct. what he's supposed to and it's like and they don't have that kind of like sympathy for correct. them where it's like I'd look at the kid and be like man I used to do worse shit than that when I was his age and I'd kind of put my kid my my Myself in the kid's shoes. That's the problem. To... Yeah, I mean, you had yeah, yeah empathy
0: for for understanding yeah. what they're going through right. in the context of of what they've been through and where they're at, and yeah. and what you know actually how it should translate into right. real life and um, scenarios. I mean, that to me at least makes the most sense. I, I mean, I don't I don't understand. At least sitting here where i am why that wouldn't be a thing everywhere right and not just not just county by county not just po by po i mean there should be something like that yeah. everywhere but look man
1: i think people need to understand again and i kind of want to go back to certain things but right now like you said like i know they implemented that new matrix system that you've been trying to pitch in <laughs> for years right yeah. which is a common sense thing yeah. right but the main reason why the culture is shifting like right now they've been pitching this whole idea about yeah. oh well, we're not going to incarcerate kids yeah because we want better results or <laughs> we want to get them off and we want to do what's best for the child and oh, yeah. everything else but what people don't realize is that that only came about after the red tap report yeah. that probation did for the whole county because mm-hmm. i remember before that i was asking for data from them you know as far as you know the type of kids that were getting violated wasn't palabra right Hey, I want to know if this kid's on my case load and he gets violation. Is it for a new charge or is right. it for, you know, breaking the terms and conditions? And they would tell me, like, well, we don't keep that data. How oh, can shit. you not keep that data
2: to track better the influence of the kids? Well, they, they keep it, like camp, for example, perfect example. They keep that data, but... It's all in how they read it and interpret it. It's like, so their recidivism rate, you know, it's like the rate of the kid coming. It's like, you, you want to say the kid, finishes four months, six months at camp, you want right. to know the kid. We, we changed that kid's life we, and they rocked his world right. and like, now he's like good to go. Right, mm-hmm. We fixed him, whatever. Most of the time, the kid would end up coming back, literally, within sometimes the same week, within right. weeks or whatever, because they're going back right. into the same environment. We didn't really teach him shit the whole time he was up there, except how to follow commands, and that's it. Right. How to say yes sir, no sir, and it's just more just try to get out of there. Just try, to and yeah, that's and what just, they would yeah. do. It's like the smarter, more sophisticated kids are like. Oh, so as soon as I learn to just shut up and do what I'm told, I'm out of here. And I could get back on the streets. And it's not and, actually
0: learning anything or, right. or taking anything meaningful from it. It's exactly. just kind of masking whatever whatever happened. Yeah, and it's like it just wasn't. But getting on the so again on the red tape report, right? right the right. one thing
1: that came up with that was the fact that you have what like 68 percent of the population was Latino, right? Mm-hmm. Getting incarcerated, most of the charges that they were getting violated for incarcerated. The white kids were actually getting ninety percent of the services,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the Latinos were getting about ten percent of the services. Sounds right. About right yeah. So, the state ended up pulling some of the funding yeah. to the county and saying, "Hey, you're no longer. We're no longer going to pay for the kids incarcerated. Yeah, you're going to have to pay it out of your
2: own money." Yeah, we uh, we had like a higher, you know, the the rate of disparity in Santa Barbara was so drastically. I mean, it's bad in any county, Because it's, it's just how our system is. You know, it's like but. Systemic racism. I mean, shit. You know, we just went through twenty twenty. There's no need to go into that. It's like we all (laughs) know it exists. It's like, but it was worse in Santa Barbara than just about any county in the state. So it's like, yeah, they ended up losing funding. So, you know, it's like I, I, it cracked me up. It killed me because it's like I was, I was always getting shit from whether it's people above me, my peers. Oh, you're too soft. You're too this. You're too that. It's like because I wouldn't lock kids up for certain things, right? But it's like, I knew, it's like, I didn't even tell the kids when they were up there. it came like, you know, your family's paying $30 a day for you to be here, yeah. that's, that's seven days a week. That's $210 in one week. I was like I couldn't afford that if I had to for my own children. Yeah. It's just, like, that's that's not, a, I mean, and, and these almost always are kids. It's like, what do they have in common? Almost all of them had no fathers or their dad was in prison or whatever. I said, yeah. And then most of them were poor. They're from the same socioeconomic class. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, but... That's not the kind of stuff they take into consideration. It's just like, but yeah, once money became a thing and, you know, that law passed or it's like all of a sudden it's like we couldn't charge any longer to like house the kids. Yeah. All of a sudden, all the sh- this, you know, and I, I was constantly like, look, I incarcerate kids when it, if it's a serious or violent offense, r- I rarely r- arrested a kid It's like if a kid pick up a new offense and and I get a report and it's like a serious violent offense it's like yeah the kid needs to be incarcerated because he's a right. danger to the community it's not like I never got kids like that I do, yeah. and they needed to be in there and right. that was it but it, it really was like a, a handful of kids I can think of it's like or you yeah. know your occasional like sex offender I get where it's like some serious case and you know he needed to be on probation whatever I was like but like not it's just <laughs> the way it came down to it it, it, it was like it's, it was just amazing it's like as soon as the, that, that January 1st hit where we were no longer allowed to charge Correct. families for incarcerating the kids. Mm-hmm. Probation just grew this big old heart all of a sudden, yeah. and, and all the ideas that I had were suddenly like brilliant. And it's like, you know, we need to think outside the box, guys. Like, what alternatives to yeah. incarceration do we have? Said, like, wait, 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 what the fuck happened last month? You guys were telling me,
0: yeah. that I was incarceration, yeah, now it's Incarcery, like incarceration, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it seems like a deeper, deeper issue for sure. I mean for since you are in like deeply involved in mm-hmm. in these kids and and the wrongdoings of what they did right. and and their lives, how do you think and from your perspective, how do you see what what is another alternative kids can can go to when when maybe they don't have another father figure in their life right. and they're surrounded by bad influences put potentially. Or, you know, they have all these different factors working against them. Right. Like, how do they, how do they, how do they break, how do they buck that trend? I mean, in all honesty, I was like, on the one hand, the, a
2: PO is a perfect person to be that person, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's like, and that's kind of how I took on that role. It's just like, study, I, luckily, I did know one older PO, you know, uh, Gilbert, he, he was able to, wow. to teach me a lot where he was... He was understanding he had brothers that were on probation growing up and he knew what it was like you know you go in someone's house you treat them with respect and you know this and that and it's like but um that like if it wasn't for him you know it's like i don't know who would have trained me and what but it's just like i think kind of lost my train of thought there thinking about that but um what was the last question
0: you just yeah asked? i mean yeah. like how how can these kids in bad situations yeah. like this okay. how, like where, where do they turn right. to okay when 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 they don't have when it seems like they don't have the resources right. and everything seems to be against them yeah so
2: t- ideally like you know and i still talk to my i talk to my wife about it. that was the ideal job for that like like if you you know having the life experience i had it's like i know i had an impact on a lot of those kids lives because right the second, I hopped on. You know, I'm not a social media person. The Second, I hopped on Facebook. Who's the first people that come just rushing and adding me? It was all these mm-hmm. former probationers. Like, yeah. What's up, Mojo? You been like, like, like? I work with the Oh, like, Your
1: name rings wide, constantly. Like, yeah, just you know like, what I mean. Yeah. and, and, so it's follow and follow it seems like a lasting impact.
0: in their yeah. lives. yeah. And I mean, it seems like you have a you know a strong positive effect on on all their lives, which is why they why, And that takes like years to build too, because yeah. it's like you know people
2: naturally you know whether it's GP or some other outside service provider we work with. It's like They might hear from a kid, Hey, this PO, I got it. He's cool. It's like, I don't know. I mean, how cool is he? He's a PO. You know what I mean? It's just like... it's like That's how I was when I first met you. It's natural distrust. But I get it. I I didn't even sweat it when people were like that because it's like, well, I distrust law enforcement and I'm in law enforcement. Like, when I was a probation officer, I got taken down at gunpoint at Lane Tree Farms just buying a Christmas tree. Like, because... And I'm all covered in tats yeah. and stuff, and they thought I was like some neighborhood drug dealer, and I got mm. taken down in front of my family, dude. It was it was uh, nuts. It's like so. I know how cops roll. I've been on searches with them and stuff yeah. like that. So, it's like. But but my point with Gilbert was basically like, study upon study. I mean, the same goes for schools or whatever. But numerous studies have shown it's like what's the number one factor in, in a kid being successful on probation, actually you know rehabilitating, turning their eyes right. around? Is their relationship with their probation officer? That kid is not gonna listen to shit you have to say if they don't respect you and you have no rapport with the kid. Correct. So it's like instead of me just rattling off their terms and conditions the second I meet the kid, yeah. they they know what for the most part. By the time they get to your desk, they know what they can and can't do. It's like yeah. especially the kids I got, they yeah. they they know the drill. It's like so they know the system already. They've I, been through it several exactly. times already. So I would talk to them and be like, "Okay, do you need me to go over any of this, or we all you know you know we're what good. you can and can't do, right?" And we were just I was just launching into like, "So tell me about you know." how you grew up, tell me this and that. It's like I would get to know the kid and that would give me a much better idea of how I was going to work with the kid
0: because it's like, right. that, that makes, a, I, mean, I mean, it makes a ton of sense because I mean, it's, it's almost uh, substituting yourself into the best you can as a, a, a figure that, a parental figure that maybe right. they didn't have right? and someone that they can potentially go to and look up to yes. as someone that's trustworthy yeah. and that's looking out for their best interests. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, unfortunately, not every PO may be like that. Right. Um, but to me, it seems like they should be. And, you know, the way the way that you, you say you did things, I mean, that certainly seems like that yeah. should be the way it's done. Because when people don't have anywhere else to turn
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they're stuck in the system. Right. And they, well, let, let me say it
1: differently, though. Yeah, My experience working with probation officers is that most of them go in to want to help out the kids. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they get so hammered down By saying, you're not here to advocate for kids, you're here to advocate for law enforcement and push the agenda forward. So what's the the percentage rate? What's the percentage
2: yeah. success rate that probation yeah. has? I mean, if they... Uh, so I know
1: there was a number being thrown around by other probation officers.
2: The numbers that... So so my wife was actually the secretary of camp that used to run the statistics up there, right? Mm-hmm. The way they ran the recidivism rates, it's like I knew how they were skewed when she told me. I was like, it's so ridiculous. It's like... Because I knew the recidivism rate was through the roof. Correct. And they tell oh, look, it's only 30%. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. I'm like, what are you talking about? But it's because they would only count... Uh, felonies they wouldn't count most misdemeanors they wouldn't count any violations violations. it's like so they would only count say like if you pick up a serious or violent felony okay that that's Mm reoffending everything else never mind that it's like so it's all in how they they skew the statistics you know it's like that makes them look good like wow you guys got a good recidivism rate. When in reality it's like 80 90 percent of those kids were back before you knew it it's like you
0: know what's funny about
2: that
1: (laughs) it's the fact that there's another organization in town too like with pal yeah. right yeah, yeah. because pal is part of law enforcement they use the numbers from the camp right and juvenile hall and kids on probation right. and everything else to when they write out their grants yeah but then when they report the success rate they leave those numbers out totally yeah. because 100 percent of the population that power works yeah. are not kids in gangs they're not involved in problems yeah. or anything else you have to have good grades in order to be right. part of the program so when they say oh we have 100 success rate is like Wait a minute like that's how people end up skewing the numbers totally. and people that don't
2: know or don't ask questions don't understand that yeah and it's like you know it's i mean like i said ucsb changed my outlook on everything so it's yeah. like i started viewing things through the lens of like class you know and capitalism and so i i'd always think okay you know, who's benefiting from this financially yeah. you know what i mean it's like if you follow the money it's like it's, it's, it's easy to figure out it's oh, yeah. like, as soon as as soon as we shit when i was at camp we had 45 kids in one dorm always full sometimes 50 and then 35 in the other dorm always full with a waiting list And you could ship kids out for a fight or something and you'd come back with five more or whatever it's just like it was always full the second we we got that bill passed the juvenile hall pop drops from like the 80s 90s down to like the 20s and and now the camp one building closed down they're down to like the teens now at the boys camp it's like they just, they, the the numbers of incarceration, they cut so drastically, it's insane. And like I mean, like, instantly. Yeah. Not, not, like, slowly, like, yeah. to make it less yeah. obvious. It was, like, an instant, like, drop and just, like. But they
1: did open up the avenue for CYA. Yeah, totally. Dude, that was pissed when that first case yeah. that went out. I know. I mean, we're not going to mention the kid's name, but, <laughs> to yeah. you, at the time, were, could be writing the reports and everything, yeah. and you were saying, hey, man, accuse him as an adult, because he was already off
2: probation. Yeah. He was already 18. It was a minor incident that he could have done, what, three months for? Oh, did he? Yeah, I even got him approved for, for his, you know, he never did a third camp commitment. So technically, they mm-hmm. say we didn't exhaust. It. You, to, to send a kid to use authority, we should say we've exhausted our community resources. Okay. Well, kid's eligible to do three camp commitments. For what he did, you know, it's like he got charged with, I mean, if you look at it on paper, it looks terrible. You know, it has great bodily injuries, a gang enhancements, all this okay. stuff. What ended up happening is he hits a guy in the head with a rock. He is a gang member, so he'll admit that. I even right. asked him, how are you dressed? He told me, he's like, yeah, I was g'd up. I'm not going to lie. I had my stuff on, whatever. He's like, but he's like, he hits a guy with a rock. He doesn't, it doesn't say in the report that the dude pulled out a knife on him, but the kid's not a snitch. He's not going right. to put that in the in the hmm. report, you know. So not it's not gonna like, he's function. not going to, even if it's the victim. And it's like, and yeah. I'm like, so I'm like, what exactly? Because when I saw the kid in shackles this one day, as I, I, was, I was going back there because they called me to control this one probation that they thought would flip in court once he got his sentence. So I was always like the go to guy to do literally everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, this kid's going to flip. Can you keep him calm? It's like, because they knew yeah. I could. It's like, hey, just kick it going. Buckwell's not going to help you in court. Right. Trust me. Just shut up. Like, just trust me. We'll talk later, you know? Mm-hmm. But did I see this kid looking just all dejected? And, and, and I had taken him off probation successfully. He had a kid, a two year old, you know? It's yeah. like, and minor, not only was it a minor incident, but the co-defendant did far more. He was far more culpable and young. He was like right. 14. This kid was literally three days from turning 18, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Two, three days. Like, And so, you know, when when they see this guy, that his, the, the little guy's drunk. It's like, you know, the, the 18-year-old was like, hey, this party's getting loud. We better get the hell out of here. I ain't trying to get put back on probation. Yeah. Let's go. And as they're walking back, the youngster starts yelling at the guy, hey, was, where are you from? And he's like, stop. You know, like, that guy doesn't bang. I know the yeah. guy. And the guy doesn't stop, whatever. You know, he keeps going, yelling. At him. And finally, the guy pulls out a blade on him and starts coming at them or whatever. Yeah. And so, like, the kid tells me, he's like, I, yeah, he's like, I picked up. He's like, I didn't have anything on me because I wasn't trying to get in trouble again. So I, so I picked up the first thing I found, a rock, and I hit him in the head. I'm like, so you must have, like, really fucked him up because, like, they're throwing the book at you. They're like the, yeah. they're like the senior DA is showing up to your stuff, not just the regular DA. They They got your whole three volume juvenile yeah. file that's supposed to be sealed because i took you off probation a year ago i was like you know all that's coming up against you now it's unsealed all of a sudden because it's Dude. you know cause it's a gang case they they treat wow. gang cases totally oh, differently yeah. so then you know it's like the case was and i said so what happened i said the kid the guy must have end up in the hospital in a coma for months like it had to be something serious for you to be going to youth authority and he's all Man, I looked, it was insane. The The restitution in this case mm-hmm. was like $15 for a bottle of Tylenol the dude had to buy at the store. No joke. It's like, I said, what happened when you hit the guy? How big was the rock? It was about a softball. It was a decent sized yeah. rock. I said, so what, you just, you hit him in the head? He said, yeah, hit him in the head with it. I said, did he like knock his ass out? Like, what happened? He said, no, dude, he's like, he dropped to one knee and he pulled out that blade and started charging at it. So I just grabbed a stick and started running. He's like, and I just, you know, ran into a friend's mom's garage and she hid me. So then they charged him too with, you know, um, uh, what are, whatever uh Don't tell it. me, it's, what, what do they call it? It's oh, gosh, not kidnapping, but uh, breaking and entering. Yeah, breaking and entering and, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And of course, he's not going to snitch on his friend's around, right. So he's just taking all these charges because it's like, that's the code. It's like, you, you know, don't you, you can't just, defend yourself. And I, and I understand that. And, he, and then the first thing the kid said to me after I hear his story, he's like, he's do they know what I'm going to have to do in there? And I told him, I said, well, the next time you go in that, when's your next court day? He's like, you know, two weeks. I was like, you look around that courtroom and you tell me, do they look like people that know what the fuck you're going to have to do in there? I was like, what are they? They're all old white people, right? And he's like, man. He was like in shock. And I was like, but don't trip, dude. I was like, "We we don't really think it's white down here. And uh, and I was. They pissed. did it. They, they did it before that for what? Like didn't. eight years, yeah. eight nine years. And the kid that we did send, I I supervised him when he when he got out. He absolutely needed to be in youth authority. That kid, mm-hmm. look, he was he was a serious offender. That guy, mm-hmm. I had no qualms about that guy getting away. It's like I was very, you know, I all safety precautions that yeah. kid, That was a totally different story. This kid, no need. He was totally approved for a third camp commitment. Did not And I recommended it in the report. You know, camp was cool, was taking him again. He did not need to go to youth authority. But they they went so far as to have a representative from youth authority Mm -hmm. come to court and do a presentation about how we're not a prison for youth. You know, it's like we're Mm -hmm. rehabilitative now. We're not the youth authority that we used to be. It's like, this is... Do
1: you know what CYA is? Not completely, no. California Youth Authority. So, California (laughs) Youth Authority, man, is no joke. There are prisons that are safer than CYA, right? And CYA, the mentality there is gladiator school, Mm -hmm. okay? If you don't have anybody from your neighborhood there, you're (laughs) on your own to fight against everybody. And if somebody wants that booty hole, they're going to take that (laughs) booty hole. Like rape is very common, okay? So you have, when you're going in there and everything else, like I said, for a county that hasn't sent anybody there, and for you to be the first one going in there, you know what you have to do so that's why the kid was yeah. saying do these people know what i'm going to have to do so the reality of it is, is if you go in there chances are you're going to walk away with another bigger sentence in oh, prison yeah. for something that you had
2: to defend yourself in there for so that's the idea and, yeah and the kid the first thing he did when he i said so now you know because i worked with the kid through i, I even though i was not his po throughout the entire time i kept in touch with the kid i visited him and yeah. all that stuff it's like Nobody, he even said, I said, who from your neighborhood was visiting you? He's like, one guy, one kid. You know, I was like, everyone else forgot about me. I said, but I visited him, whatever. Yeah. Um, he just, it was just a fucked up case. that he was in there for like two and a half years. Totally yeah. didn't need to be, like lost contact with his, you know, with his kid. Baby still and everybody else, yeah. He gets out and he's living on his the rival side of town. It's just yeah. like the, whole, the whole thing. But I asked him, I said, what is the first thing that you had to do when you got in there? He's all... I mean, what do you think he's like the first black dude i saw i just i just ran up and just took flight on him and just started fighting i was like just immediately as soon as he had the chance and the shackles are off he just attacked the first black kid he saw you have to yeah. say he, he was a little guy too he, i mean he was down for his business you know Like, but but just it's, it's what you have to do to like you know like you said is, it's d- like you can't go in there though immediately if you don't do something you're a
0: bitch, right off the bat. Oh, yeah, you're a fish. That's, that's the worst thing you could be, so. How do we, I mean, how do we change, or how does anybody change the the whole presence of people being numbers, and certain numbers have to be certain percentages for to, to make a certain, like, perspective of how things are going, versus, like, changing that narrative to... Remembering their people and where they're from, and context of like why they're actually there and what they're trying to get out of their life, and how does that how does that begin to change? Ah, It's it's so frustrating because it's like you know there was like a
2: huge part of me that wants to stick around. I I knew I I had the skills and that, like I I had pretty much mastered that job by the time I left. There's no aspect of it that I didn't know how to do. I, whether it was putting a kid on GPS, writing a report, whatever—I knew everything. Yeah. So I love, and I love doing it. So I plan on doing it my whole 30 years, maybe more. Right. But like, it's like a cultural thing. It's like when the whole yeah. fucking department is not like you, and they're looking. Yeah. I mean, you—you you knew they were talking. Yeah. I'd hear about hey, so and so said this and that about you. I'm like, I listen yeah. what they think about me. It's like I'm here to do what I think is right for the kid. Right. And and I know that the kids appreciate it because, like you said, it's like I go around and. and you know, it's, other POs they gotta watch their back and stuff when they're out in the community because, cause the way they treat their kids yeah. and stuff. It's like I never, I, I go out in the public, like, what's up, you And it's like I know if I hear it, it's my last name, I know it's some kid I used yeah. said, oh, what's up, yeah. man? It's like, and so I, you know, I was never afraid of the kids that I work with because I treated them properly and with respect. It's not rocket science, you know. It's like and some yeah. of the kids I, I used to have to handcuff and ship out because of stuff they did at the camp, and they don't hold it against you. It's like they know it's part of your job and stuff, and when it's when it's their you know, but it's like, how do you go about changing that whole culture? So there's like a part of me that wanted to stay in probation and mm-hmm. kind of climb the ranks and, and like try to change it change. But then I look at it and I'm like, look at what I'm up against. And yeah. it's like, I don't have literally nobody else I could think of. That's like me that, Advocate, wants, yeah. that wants to climb and, and change that, that culture. It's just like, Lord, man.
1: I, I think it's funny because you're coming in on this conversation from the system's point of view yeah. and your experience with them. Me, I'm coming in from the street side. And kind of working in the community and helping out the same population, and everything yeah. else, right? But I find you're kind of curious in Santa Barbara, and I think it's like this in every community that we we have a mentality that we can't save every child, right. but as long as the kids don't look like you, Nick, <laughs> it's an acceptable loss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just what it is. Like we're gonna grind them through the system because it's gonna open up avenues of money. But as long as the kids look like that, mm-hmm. it's okay. Because yeah. there's nobody advocate for them. Right. Right? And at the end of the day, they end up saying, well, look at their past. Right. Or look at their parents' past. And that's yeah. why the kid has to suffer through the same yeah. exact system. They got this crazy... But r- it's,
2: it's 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 acceptable. It's, yeah. It's like they got this crazy risk score because, you know, dad was a gang member. Mom's been on meth. I'm like, shit, if you would give a risk score on me growing yeah. up, I would have been through the roof, too. It's just like, but you know it's like you would have been it in-dated with resources exactly it's to like, make I mean, sure that exactly being, that's what i'm saying being white it's like i would have got you know it's like dude, i would have got a totally different sh- even in san francisco you know it's like it's just how it is oh anywhere you it's go like, it's the same thing when when you first asked me about this interview it's like i was thinking i was like what's the specific case i can think of and it's like I, I one in particular came up where it's like the disparity was so fucking ridiculous like i couldn't even believe it i was like mm. if i could go on national tv and show this to people it was insane dude. it's like I mean, the quickest I could summarize it, not to take up too much time, but basically it was like, and I got these cases literally the same day I want to say I went out on my lunch break, come back, and I get these two massive file well one one file bigger than the other, but whatever the bigger file was actually the white kids or whatever he had more he had uh he had two cases that one was considered a home invasion in Montecito really because Mm. he basically broke into the lady's house at like 2 a.m. she heard the alarm go off and thought it was like the wind because it's Montecito and nobody does that kind of stuff and so didn't think nothing of it his car's idling in the driveway for hours and she comes out there at 7 8 in the morning the kid's still in the he's all on xanax whatever blacked out and then he's ordering shit with her credit card just in her kitchen she's like what are you doing get the hell out of here and the kid commits a similar crime days later not too far away whatever but he's a Montecito resident. He's wealthy as hell. He's a white kid, whatever, right? It's mm-hmm. like, what, what ended up being that kid's old. I mean, in my mind, when you read the two reports, his crime was so much more, it was so much worse as far as, like, the value of the stuff lost. Right. The, the, I mean, at home, you know, when someone's home, occupied dwelling, minority does it? That's a big, that's a serious charge to get, you know, it's like... Uh, the my boy of, got 117 years for it. Exactly. It's like, you you rob an inhabited dwelling that, that you're doing right. time, time. I was like... What does this kid get? Because, and the county doesn't, I mean, we, we've also had, that's another issue the county doesn't like to address is we have a drug issue in this community. Okay. It's like, you know, it's like kids, you know, whether it's Xanax, fentanyl, mixing the two is the worst, you know, it's like no matter how many kids I talk to, it's like we have kids that are dropping like flies in this community yeah. off of drugs. Like some kids that I would never have expected, you know, just, just dropping like flies. And it's like, it's another thing they don't want to address. It. But, and there's not a single with, with the This much money in this county, uh, we don't have anywhere to send juveniles with drug problems. Like, no inpatient, it's like you have an outpatient center downtown where... That's just a bad scenario. One, they're just it's it's an outpatient place, so everybody's out of custody. There, mm-hmm. you got rivals running into each other downtown. You know, it's like they're they're pretty much meeting up with other connects. Like, more than we'll anybody. be talking about that with somebody right. else too. That's coming in for it's, that. It's just like it's yeah. such a bad setup. It's like it, I mean, yeah, it is. It's it's what they offer them, but it's like, how are you gonna tell me in a community with this much money, we don't have money for an Correct. inpatient treatment facility? So. so Parents would ask, like, hey, you know, it's like, my kid has a serious drug problem, like, you know, but if it was, say, a, a poor Mexican kid, it'd be like, hey, um, unless you pay for it out of pocket, yeah. you're screwed. Or so. out of the state. Yeah, and so this kid had, you know, two parents that were divorced or whatever, but the dad was just, you know, just a huge pad of Montecito worth like, three mil or something mm-hmm. like that, and so he was able to pay. The kid pretty much went to, like, a, a country club near Seattle yeah. and, and just did his... He did his time quote unquote like right. in, in like a pretty much like a country club rehab setting. You know, it's like based upon the fact that he was on Xanax when he committed the crimes and the But the crimes were so much worse. And then on the flip side, I have this kid who is um fifteen years old, you know, African American kid. And he's with he's with um two other dudes that are like thirty-five years old, right? They're from like Compton Crips and Santana blog and all this Ooh. stuff or whatever. And this kid's from, like, the 63rd Street, and, and, you know, whatever, it's like... And our, our DA, they don't know shit about, like, gangs, like, the, the way they're supposed to, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, that they, they don't know that kind of stuff. And like I said, in the gang enhancement issue specify, you know, it's for the benefit of a criminal street gang, to wit, and you're supposed to note the gang. So, say, Traviesos, mm-hmm. whatever the gang's name is, Correct. right, specific. This one just said to wit, Crips. And I was like, okay, first of all, your your attorney needs to fight that like right then and that's ridiculous. I was like, they don't they don't have a, a specifics on where you're from and don't give them reason. Don't tag up your room stupid like that. You know, it's like and the kid took my advice, but he he tried to run with the whole idea of like, oh I'm too crazy, let me try that route, which was just a bad idea. So yeah. he got oh declared, god. you know, like <laughs> unfit to stand trial uh-huh. and that screwed him so bad. It's like he it took like, oh my god. Close to a year for that whole process to be taken yeah. care of, where like he got, you know, fit, determined, fit to stand trial. Once again, they had someone f- come down from like Bakersfield to like meet with him weekly, and the kid was totally with it. It's like he was just using it as like a. He thought that was the he easiest it was route to get, to get out of it. it yeah. yeah. Screwed him over, but like the case was, they it was not not long after the mudslides, whatever. You know, people were there's a lot of robberies right. going around at the That's time, right. so
0: yeah,
2: I dudes came up from L.A. Why do you think, you know, 30 something year old gang members bring a fifteen year old so he can carry the gun and take the rap for him in case something happens? Uh-huh. You know? So and so I you know, and I asked him, I said, So just tell me the story, what were you guys doing? Are you just going around flocking, you know, just checking the houses mm-hmm. and whatever. And he's like, Yeah, he's like, and you know, we knock, whatever, house seems empty. I said, Well, you just busted out the flathead and just popped the door, he's like, Yeah, you know, just the usual, break in, you know, we hello, hello. no. Typical B and E. Yeah, just a B and E, like no biggie, like Thinking the house is empty well it turns out like the lady heard them trying to break in she's in the closet calling the cops this Mm -hmm. whole time and they have no clue so they're just grabbing jewelry grabbing whatever they can they're robbing the house and then finally one of them opens the closet door and sees the lady and it's like oh shit you know what i mean and they didn't even realize it but the the sheriff's department already had the house surrounded and so Mm -hmm. as soon as you know they hear the lady scream and they hear that it's like they shot through the window into the house or whatever like on the fucking ground you know and all the usual and so they just they hit the deck it's like What'd you shoot for? It's like the, the kid never—he—he he did have a gun on him, not a huge. But he didn't brandish like, it or they anything. He didn't brandish yeah. it. All they did was say, "Oh shit!" They didn't realize anyone was there. They were ready to literally just take out the door and just mm-hmm. let get the hell out of here. They had no intention of harming the lady or nothing like that. Right. But that kid was—he was incarcerated so long. They—I got transferred to adult, but and this case was still going on. It was, it was, and I was advocating for him the whole time behind the scenes, you know, doing yeah. stuff I probably shouldn't even have been doing, but I couldn't get any help for this kid. It was like he was screwed. It's like yeah it was was nuts i mean it
0: it seems like a bad situation all around i mean like just from start to end um i mean there's got to be conversations on both ends of it of of
1: honest conversations i mean mean, that's the problem
0: and right and it's got to be honest conversations it's got to be real conversations about like how how does how do we like get involved with having these things not happen in the first place and how do we we have a positive impact on people's lives enough so that they don't feel the need to go do these bad things. Right. Number one, and then number two. Once you're in the system, there. I mean, it's it can't just be working against you. Right. I mean, the system dude. should be right. But I mean, it should. Dude, I mean, <laughs> that's all. I'm a two-striker. That's, two <laughs> that's what we're talking. I'm a two-striker. I am
1: an individual that has been through the system, dude. Every which way but I have a good track record with, with working with the community, mm-hmm. right? All my kids that I've worked with have gone on to college, universities. I've only, got, I've only lost, out of 350 people, kids that I've worked with, I've lost five of them who have been killed because either they were too high and they were on the train tracks or got shot, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. And then I probably have maybe about 10 or 15 who have gone away to prison and stuff like that. But overall, have their families moved on in life and everything else, right? I try to work with with, uh, probation. Try to work with them. What is it that you need? Oh, you need services? Great. I can do that part. I can track your individual for you. I can track them in school. I can do all these things. What happens? I try to work with so many probation officers. and The probation officers would honestly be like, look, JP, like, I'm going to reform to you. Just... Um, I can't yeah, tell my boss yeah. that I'm referring him to you, but I'm sending the to families. I have other families calling me saying, hey, my friend's son is going through probation. Can I give him your number? Yes. Yeah. All right. Tell me who the PO is. Shoot the PO an email. Hey, you know, I have your kid on my caseload. Is it all right? Can you do this? And they would tell him, respond back. Like, either they respond back with an email saying thank you, but no thank you. And then they send me a text. Hey, Cool. Get them through the program. Do what you got to do and everything else. That's how I ended up meeting with you. Yeah. And that's how we came across working with you. What was your experience with that?
2: Yeah, it was like I mean, one of the, one of the models they had in mind for like you know how do we like address all these problems, right? It's right. Like, and one of the models they had was we did at one point have this cool thing called alternatives to detention program, where it's like if it was a minor violation, mm-hmm. instead of just throwing the cuffs on the kid, it's like. You would send them to this after-school program, and we would, like, we would have AA panels and different service providers, and it was a cool little setup, and then we would drop the kids off at home, and then there was no bracelet on, but it was totally, hey, you're on house arrest till the following morning, don't leave the house, you know, whatever. And it was a cool little... That they, was the ADP program, right? Yeah, the ADP program. Okay. So they were talking about bringing it back, like, in another form, like, because they changed the name, and it was going to be ARRC 2.0, whatever. Correct. But they asked me flat out in a meeting because I was quiet in meetings. meeting. was like, well, Moj, what do you think? Because like, I was like, um, my only question is, who are these, you know, because they're like, we want substance abuse providers and gang intervention, all this stuff, all on site. Like, you know, the kids can receive all these services on Wrap site. around services. Wraparound services. We got, we offer everything, you know, individual counseling. I said, that's a, that's a great idea. I said, but I just have one serious question. Who's providing the services? Because if it's the county, fuck that. I was mm-hmm. like, if it's outside service providers, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. I was like, but you know, like, like with JP for example, it's like it, I constantly ran into trouble, and and I, and I I'd, I'd I'd be constantly referring kids to him no matter what my supervisor said, and it, right. it didn't matter. But because you know, it's like I get kids with violent offenses. what's the first thing they get, you know, ordered to anger management. It's like yeah. we didn't have any anger management services to refer them to. But you have the alternative, to Violence Project, which has data. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. shows that it works. It's like it's got all this stuff, but it's like probation, they they pull out any excuse, they can't, in, in all reality, we knew what the excuse was, it's like, they don't want them going your way because of your background, and that's it. Right. And it's like, but anyway, I could never get them to just come out right and say it, I'm like, just admit it to me that you that you don't want us sending them to AVP because of JP, and that's it. And the only reason I brought this up is because what you're saying,
1: is like, if they have a certain track record, or, or they've been convicted of certain things, you would think the whole thing is about rehabilitation. Right. So once they're not committing crime, once they're actually more involved, those are the ones that we should be saying, great, you figured yeah. it out. I don't want to get your shit straight. Show the other ones how to figure it out as well. Yeah. But they say they're about rehabilitation, but yet they don't want to refer to somebody that has a past yeah. because they're still going to be held against you.
2: Right? Right. Yeah. And just like the the other POs thing. that have life experience, you know, are tended to be better oh, POs. Same that. concept. It's just like, it's like people that have been through this shit, they understand it better and they're able to provide better services. It's just simple. And yeah. it,
0: it it totally makes sense. And obviously it's, like, it's a complex issue. And I mean, this is one of the reasons why we're talking about it in Correct. the first place, you know, um, because there's so many different facets to it um, coming from, from your perspective, which is great to hear, um, along with JPs and everyone. And I mean, it seems like there's a disconnect between like actually helping people as a basis versus like what makes it okay with my supervisor and the system and things like that. And those roadblocks, at least from what I'm, what I'm like hearing and seeing, it seems like one of the main issues that, that needs to be talked through and there needs to be some sort of solution figured out because um, I mean, clearly there's some sort of disconnect between like the reality of, of executing on, on helping someone right. because that's the basis of what everyone and what you're doing you're helping people and same you know same with you JP I mean you're supposed to be helping people right. in their situations and people make mistakes and they, they do things and um, it just seems like there's some sort of barrier there yeah. between you know what everyone's trying to accomplish which in, in the end is supposed to be the same thing yeah
1: you know I think the biggest the biggest issue as well is in this particular County that can be best addressed by understanding what people's responsibilities are, right? Most people would think like, well, you know, the DA's responsibility is to try mm-hmm. to keep peaceful in the streets and no crime and everything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement is supposed to be able to get there, do their investigation and be able to hold people accountable for their misdeeds and everything else. Right. Right. Nonprofits are supposed to be there to really solve a community problem Mm -hmm. and whatever they're focusing on. And then eventually you should see a significant drop in it. But I think a lot of people, they just come in with the assumption, the assumption that that's what the DA wants. Mm -hmm. That's what law enforcement is. When in reality, it's completely different. I've had the DA go to my funders and um, say, look, you know, this particular program did stop the violence in the county. So my partners are like, well, great, isn't that what the goal is? And the DA says, no, that's the goal is not to stop the violence. The goal is to keep them fighting amongst themselves, so we can start picking them off one by one yeah. and start locking them up, right? So I think people need to come to the table and saying, okay, so what is your ultimate goal here? Right. And based on what we can see, based on the numbers and where the money is coming at and everything else, then we can clearly have a better, right. a better conversation about that. Um. I know that there's organizations in the community, yeah. like, you know, we we talked about drug treatment. Right. I think it's sad for so many kids that are art dealing, I mean, you have kids on different sides of the neighborhood dealing with heroin yeah. and meth. Dude, the youngest one I have right now is 12 years old. Crazy. Already way gone past the point of him being able to function or anything else on heroin. Yeah. Right? The Man, parents are it, reaching out.
2: Their eyes and yeah. Everything,
1: so. Parents are reaching out. They're like, yeah. JP, like, what What can I get my kid in? Mm-hmm. Only program in the county here for juveniles is CADA. Yeah. That's it. Right? That's it. Nothing else. But, so they go through this program three to six months and then they get a certificate and it's done. And then within a week, not even that long, within a week, they're already back in referring okay. to the same program. And it's well, like, we have to...
2: And I don't even know if this has changed, but I remember when I was there, it's like, when I started there as a PO, like, you know, seven years in, and I was, you know, I got my promotion, it was like, it was pretty much an automatic. Regardless of what the hell the kid got put in probation for, you ordered them to KEDA. But it was at least provided to him free of charge, Right. Somewhere along yeah. the line, that stopped. And all of a sudden, they started having to pay. And it was a lot of money, dude. It was like over a 100 bucks a week or something. And I'm yeah. like, wow. that was another thing where I'm like, man, I got four kids. I couldn't afford that for one of my kids if I had to.
1: And then when they or, go to that program, yeah, they do their intake. And yeah. when they do their intake, it's like, oh, well, have you ever argued with your kid? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've argued with them. Like, oh, well, then you need to take our parenting class. Exactly. So now the kid has to take a class, but then you have to take a class. and so You have to pay for it. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. they do, oh, well, we have team court as well, so you're going to be referred to that program, too, and you have to pay for it. And then, when you, now tell me if I'm lying here, <laughs> when you have kids who have completed their community service hours, they have yeah. done all the counseling programs, they already completed everything, but the family wasn't able to pay, they'll turn around and give probation an unsuccessful mm-hmm. referral because they parents didn't pay the money. Yeah. They violate the kid. Make them start all over again. Then they have to go back to the same program and then repay
2: every single course all over again. Yeah. It's just totally unnecessary. Because I used to take kids off probation all the time. Where if I if I had kids like that, that, that met every turn, I, mean, I would tell them if you can meet all these turns, the sooner you meet, you you keep this piece Correct. of paper. I'm gonna read it off to you, but you keep it. As soon as you meet all this stuff, you come yeah. to me, and I was like, you got my word, dude. Like, you can hold me to it. You need me to sign something, I'll sign it. I was like, but I will take you off probation. I said, if you owe this money still at the end, I said, look. Make some payments, you know, make it, you not no, 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 no judges. I'm sure if I pulled out, you know, a, a sack in front of you, you'd have $20. Like yeah. I said, but show, you know, like at least $5 here, $10. Every time yeah. you come in a test, bring in it's a little okay. bit, I'm show sure. an effort, you know All I said? Right. And then when, when that time comes, I can tell the court he completed all this and he's continuing to make payments. And then they signed this document called a CR 110. And it's basically saying, hey, we can st- we're can. we still taking the kid off probation. He's successfully completed. However, he still owes, if especially if it's a victim. Not- fines can be waived. And I used to waive fines all the time. Yeah. Which would piss the DA off. I said, but victim restitution is different, which I understand, you know, it goes to the victim. So they signed that form. But it basically says they're, they're legally liable to pay that, for the rest of their life. And it's like, even if it gets garnished from their wages later on in life, right. so they don't follow them, but it shouldn't prevent them from terminating probation successfully. It's like, because, say, you get... it. I mean, shit, I had a kid that... They caught him on gri- with the graffiti tracker camera. Mm-hmm. He had committed so many vandalisms throughout SB, and they pinned them all to him with that graffiti tracker that matches up the images. Correct. He, he, he owed, like, twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 And, I mean, that kid wasn't going to be able to, And he worked two jobs. You know, he was right. washing dishes, doing all this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, look, just just keep making payments. That's all I can write, yeah, all you and, can do. And I got him off successfully. And it's like, and the kid, I'm sure he's going to be paying that off for years and regrets it and stuff. But, I mean... That's not a reason to do like you, but it's exactly like you said. It's like the, that's a reason for a PO to be like, well, unless you pay this amount, like you ain't going nowhere. It's yeah. just like so. It be yeah, and like I mean, do. but I
0: mean, it seems like that's like the on, opposite. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah.
1: City of Santa Barbara, I will finish paying my. <laughs> <laughs> I stole all them three grand, so just you want to say I have been paying it off, and I will hopefully have it done by twenty thirty. <laughs> you're making the effort. Well. I'm making the effort. Yeah,
0: are yeah. making the effort, but I mean, it seems like that's just it goes against the entire point of doing that in the first yeah. place, like purposely keeping someone there because they couldn't pay for it while everyone else is already paying. I mean, yeah. like the person that's helping the person you, yeah. I mean, the POs, they're getting, I mean, they're getting paid either way. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, like they, but, putting, but putting them back through it again yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's just going to cost people more money. Exactly. I and mean, if, if they have fulfilled everything and, and they're, I mean, again like the the will like rightfully like making a good effort to to pay or or do whatever is necessary to 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 fulfill those requirements is is one thing but doing it just for the point of of doing like you know they they couldn't for whatever reason it's keeping the
1: clientele back coming for more
0: man and you know what i mean and i mean that's a problem
1: And, and just so you don't most of these organizations well i'm not gonna say most i'm gonna say all of them (laughs) they all get federal grants state grants city money foundation money to pay specifically for that and then they'll go back and they'll double dip with the families right you know what i mean and then even with probation when you make a referral you have to pay what 50 bucks in order to get on the book, so they can refer you to do yeah yeah. community service hours and everything else i was uh, i
2: i would uh, you know it's POs have more discretion than they care to ever tell you. But it's like, you know, I, I would tell a kid, hey, look, don't bring it to me like on a napkin. But if you can bring me something on like church letterhead, if you got like a local church or something that you work with and you do community service hours, like, I'll I'll accept that right. or whatever. And I, and I would still, I'd file it. I'd take right. the kid on probation. But probation would say you, no, 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 it's got to be through us because it costs I want to say it was $80. It was 50 and then 80 to sign mm. up just to do the hours. And then say you got 50 hours of community service. You had to pay $2 an hour for every hour of community service that you did. So you're like, you're paying to do pay yeah. community service? I was like, it's just another fine that they slap on you.
1: Dude, and just getting <laughs> to touch on that, the whole um, um, anger management. Yeah. I used to look into it because I had so many kids that needed to take it as well. There's programs in Santa Barbara that you can do it, but it's one mm-hmm. of them is 230 bucks an hour mm-hmm. to do one-hour sessions with wow. them. So you have to do at least two of them a week. We provided that same credit in for 20 hours on one weekend. They didn't have to pay. like Because we were getting money by foundation already, so we were providing it to the families that right. were low-income. Right. You know what right. I mean? But I saw so many of them, they're like, dude, I can't.
2: Oh, and then and then probation, you know, suddenly and I and I was quick to always anytime I got a kid with the violent offense, I like, look, I'm a, immediately, I'm afraid to to JP. I'm gonna send email. Here's his info. If you get a call from him, whatever. And I'd explain that parents, they'd be grateful. Was, yeah. yeah, you know. And, and I was like, look, you can knock this out in one weekend. You can even go yeah. as your co defendant. I'll, I'll be okay with it. You know, because you're going for a, a pro social really, purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, some people are like, oh gonna lock you up for a gang association it's like they were on their way to a damn program <laughs> yeah. together it's like yeah. it's not a gang association you know it's yeah. like i finally got these two kids once to go to school together and they get arrested on the way to school just for walking together to school it's that kind of stuff but you know it's like yeah. it's like you they didn't want us accepting an order from avp all of a sudden it's like well all and like i said they don't want to come out right and say well you know it's because i hear it and it's like i said i was telling him once yeah. i said i was i was eating um lunch with him talking to him while I was in the middle of a training and we met up <laughs> yeah we met up we were talking at South Coast whatever and I get a text from my boss at the time I never really got along too well with too many of my bosses for obvious reasons but like <laughs> you know um, I could play the game but the, the boss was like where are you at right now and I'm like I'm just having lunch you know like like um, with JP we're having lunch and I got a training and she's like is that that gangster guy like we need to talk about that and I'm like the text just pissed me off like instantly because I'm like that gangster guy I was like you just came from San Maria. You don't know this guy. I was like, You don't know nothing about him except what you've heard. I no. was like, you don't know this about this program. You don't even know what the hell we're talking about. And I said, what I do on my lunch break is my business anyways. So it's just like, but that's, that was their MO. It's like, no, it's like you do it through us. And it's like, and their program was so much more useful. It's like, they got the hours done. They got it done in one weekend. It was, it was affordable, a sliding scale, you know, it was like, it solved the whole problem. There was no one I could refer the kids to. It's like, what are you gonna do? 12 weeks straight, twice a week with some expensive, you know, one-on-one. Right. It's like dude, when kids we don't have when we started working with you, right? When we started doing that, it was funny because
1: all I wanted to track was the violence. Yeah. That's all I wanted to track was the violence. School started referring people to me. But with the school, they were keeping track of everything you know, else, yeah. the truancy, the how many referrals to the office for yeah. disrespecting a teacher or arguments or whatever. And when we got the stats back, and it was like fifty-six percent um successful with truancy i was like oh shit like that actually works like kids grades started improving and everything else but the funny thing is in order for me to sell it i had to remove my whole name from everything okay. in that document like saying hey this is the curriculum this is the program this is how it's structured and this is how we implement it i had to remove my name for everything when people looked at it they were like damn that sounds like a real good program yeah let's try it out two months i was doing it when they started saying damn they honestly thought I was threatening kids, because they would come back and the kids just the way that they talk and yeah, everything yeah. else. They'll be like, "Hey, did you threaten them?" Or, <laughs> "No, why? Well, he's showing up to class. He's actually improving his grades. He's turning in homework <laughs> assignments. He's respectful. The way he he's talks to us and everything Elevation
2: officers and yeah, like, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Dude,
1: so I honestly had principals tell me, he's like, dude, so are you seriously threatening them? Like on the weekend? Because yeah. nothing changes them from from one simple weekend." You know, but the thing about it is like like what you were doing the whole time is like, dude, you be honest with them. They ask me questions about neighborhood stuff or the gang stuff or whatever. It's like we have honest conversations about it. Yeah. Uh, I would bring in other individuals from their neighborhood who maybe were not good at the time, you know, either right. using or whatever. But them having a the conversation with these individuals, it was like it was really giving them everything that they needed in order to make decisions from yeah. here forth. And a lot of them would see that and be like oh i don't want to end up like that yeah. they end up doing better in school and that's what people didn't understand it's like yeah. how what can make them change in one in one setting
2: yeah or they'd be like i remember when palavera was around and it's like you guys would be at the scene of a crime before the pd was and they that that blew their minds it's like whoa well, what's wrong with this organization it's like well, fuck, they trust them, not the cops. Or dude. the like, hospital. Well, yeah, it's like, what reason do they have to trust the police? You know, what kind of stuff they've experienced yeah. in this neighborhood? It's like this typical stuff any low-income neighborhood experiences with the police. It's like, of course they're going to contact you before they contact the cops. It's like, it's not it's not rocket science, you know? So. I think
1: that's what we were doing before that was so different. With even the cottage hospital, any, anytime anybody came in with uh, gunshots, stabbings, assaults, they would do what they had to do with their counseling, mm-hmm. you know, to treat the family. But yet, we were the first call to come in as well. Yeah. And then once we met up with the families, like I said, I know. I've never told anyone, don't call the cops. don't yeah. do this. I've never done that because I know that's that's the line you don't cross. Yeah. That's impeding an investigation, right. right? But you ask the family, like, how are you holding up? Yeah. What are your immediate needs, right. right? And then based on what the family says, okay, we'll take care of this. We'll refer you to this. Yeah. And as soon as the cops came in, we was just that bad. Yeah. But then I know it came out in court. They're like, well, you guys are obviously targeting these individuals. And the victims were scared of you. And I'm like, so why was the victim calling us then before anything else happened? Like, you know what I mean? But um, there's a lot of distrust. And just to be clear, like, because I think I told you this before. it's like, dude, I've gangbanged since the age of 12. And I've done the nonprofit since 2009, right? And honestly, dude, there is so much more respect and more honor and gangbanging than there is in the nonprofit sector. Oh, now. Yeah. And it's funny because it's exactly the same rules. Yeah. The same rules apply. Yeah. And if you talk to the kids, it's crazy because when you talk to the kids, it's like, hey, homie, like how come you don't get along with that neighborhood? They'll tell you it's like, well, I had like maybe six, seven kids tell me, why the fuck should I get along with that neighborhood when this fool doesn't even want me to go to that nonprofit for services? Yes. It's like they see the gang mentality yeah. between the adults. So they're like, and you're telling me I'm wrong?
2: Yeah, that's no, true. It's like, it's like, I mean, I was even telling my own kids, you know, it's like, I was like, if you look at who showed up at my wedding last year, I was like, did you see any of my family there? Nope. No. I said, but who did show up? I was like, gang members. I was like, no. that I'm supposed to be, you know, afraid of and revilified vilified. stuff. So I said, but I was like, I trust those guys, whether I met them at Paragon or through probation or whatever. No. It's like, I trust those guys more than I trust almost anyone i know you know it's like yeah. some of my best friends are their their gang members or whatever but it's like that's it's all a part of our like past it's like it's like you know i had a violent past It's like you're, you're gonna hold that against me the rest of my life it's just like but you know I'm, I'm white that's different it's just like but as far as like i don't know it just got me thinking like it's like how do you change that whole like culture right. it's just like right. it's like the, i don't know how exactly you would go about doing it you know but my my ultimate goal at, at some point is I want to be a professor in sociology. Like I did really well at UCSB, so I'd like to mm-hmm. teach at some point at That's the awesome. college level and, you know, like, um, see what I could do from that. You know, I've had Victor Rios invite me to, like, speak to his class. I'm going say, correct. okay, but I'm going to tell him what probation is really like. I ain't yeah. going to tell him the bullshit no, You know, it's yeah. like so... Um, you know, I'm gonna pursue that or whatever. I'm almost done with my credential program, and I'm gonna start with that. But like that'll be awesome, I think from like a a bigger perspective, it's like you need POs to look at the job differently is all it really is. If you have, it's like with the more the most simple answer I could give is like they just need to look at the job differently. You are not a wannabe cop, you're not you're not the police. It's like the police have their role. Their role is to to snag the kid while he does the crime, bring him in. It's like we have an entirely different role where it's like, you're, you, yeah, you have some peace officer duties where it's like if the kid's, you know, uh, imminent risk or violent right. danger, yes, you gotta cuff them. You gotta do mm-hmm. this. And as a kid's high on mm-hmm. meth in your office, you don't have a choice. You gotta cuff them up. It's like, but. For the most part, it's like you're more of like a, a social worker than you are a, a, a an officer. Like my my I always looked at the job as like, sure, I got I have law enforcement powers and authorities, but I'm not gonna abuse them. It's like it's like I'm gonna use them when I absolutely have to. And you can I can probably count on just two hands the amount of times in fourteen years I really had to arrest kids like mm-hmm. as a as a probation officer. It's like you know, it's like maybe fights at camp are like a different thing, but it's like I, I look at the job as, like, just connecting kids with services. It's like if the kid had an alcohol-related defense, I'd try to get him alcohol treatment. If the kid had yeah. uh, gang issues, violent issues, i try to hook him up with someone like you. It's like, you know, he needed either, like, a mentor type or AVP or something. It's like so... I
1: think crazy. accountability is what you're saying. The yeah. most part,
0: the biggest part of it is accountability. Accountability mm. uh, for POs and for everybody. For everybody. For for everybody. everybody. And, and, I mean, it's, it seems also changing the perspective of why they're actually there you know PO specifically and and everybody i mean they can't just see it as a as a just a a job like you know these are the rules i have to follow like you're there to help people yeah like as a basis and and that should be the basis of everything and i mean it should come the same thing from higher down and it doesn't always because because that's not necessarily how the system may work but but i mean it's it, it's got to start, I mean, and, you know, these conversations are, are why we're, we're talking about it, right. right? Because this is how you make any type of change right. that's meaningful in the community or in life or yeah. in the system. And, I mean, it, it seems super important to to, to flip that perspective totally. and understand why any of this is here in the first place. Yeah. We yeah. all need to have a healthy dose of distrust.
1: Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, I, I don't expect law enforcement to trust me completely, no. but it should be okay for me to distrust them as well. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And then we come in the middle. Like, yeah. honestly, for me, dude, when i worked with certain homies, when I was doing like palabra and stuff and everything else, they would tell me like, at one point I would have some of the judges who would say, Hey, can we release them to you guys, to your program? And I would meet with the individual. And then I'd go back and I'd check with the homies be like, Hey, is this cat? at least, you know, there, like, yeah, right. does he understand what he's getting into? And, and you know, I would work out a plan with him as far as, you know, what where are you trying to get to? And then let me open up doors for you.
2: Right.
1: But then talking with the neighborhood, they would tell me, like, dude, who's a crackhead or he's gone or whatever. I would go back and meet up with him be like, "Look, let, let honestly, you need to go do your time. Right. Get your head straight, sober up enough. Man. When you come out, call me first. Yeah. And we'll work on you. And I think that that's what Law enforcement never saw. They thought, like, oh, I'm just going to get all the homies out. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. homie, like, I'm holding them accountable, too. Right. I just wish that they did that with their officers, too. Like, yeah. remember, I think I told you when I was walking in Bonnet Park when I first started doing this work. And uh, I was there in Bonnet Park. You know, obviously still dressed the way I dress. Yeah. And the cops walk down. You know where Bonnet Park is on the mm-hmm. west end? Mm-hmm. Cops walk down the hill and everything. I'm like, oh, fuck, here they come. And one mm-hmm. of the cops walks up to the kids and he's like, well, some motherfuckers, like, yeah, we run Santa Barbara, we're the real gang, he's holding on to his gun, and I'm sitting there looking at him, like, what the fuck, I'm like, homie, you ever expect these kids to respect you, man, I'm like, you're conducting yourself in that manner, I'm like, what do you think these kids are gonna do, yeah. right, oh, well, who the fuck are you, are you on parole, I said, I'm not on anything, I lied, yeah. I'm like, but I'm not on anything, man, I'm like, here's my business card, and he saw the business card, like, Well, you know, you got to understand, like, that's how we joke around, huh, kids, huh? We joke around, because, like, fuck you, I don't joke around with you. (laughs) You harass me all the time. When I told that story to other people, they were like, nah, not here, not there. And I'm like, dude, I always used to get the same response. Well, those kids should know better not to react to that right. so you're telling me that you want our kids a kid at the end of the day but not an adult yeah to hold himself more accountable than the way the adult is approaching the situation when he's in the position of
2: power I was say not just any adult an adult that's expected to be held to a higher standard than the right. rest of society you know what i mean it's like i mean we when we would do field work we'd go by bonnet park that was an instance that like we knew if we were all by bonnet park we had that's Automatic. a few contacts right there you could yeah. make like a few kids on my case so and it was, it was like, I pull over, I'd a, I had one specific partner that I would go out with consistently, because he was cool. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. me and him, we got along great, we knew each other since camp, and once we got together, we were fine together. So, we'd walk up, and you know, of course, the kids see the car, oh shit, you know, they start to like split, but then they see, they recognize like my the bald phase, head or yeah. something, and they'd be like, oh, that's just Moj, and then they'd all just get back together, <laughs> and I'd just walk up, what's up guys, and it's like, you know, if a kid, if it was an older kid, maybe that didn't recognize me, he'd you be know, like yeah. filming and stuff, I'd be like, oh. Going on, I and mean, you feel me all you want. I don't care. And the kids would all shake my hand and stuff. And then the kid, the guy, would finally put his camera down. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Introduce himself. And I'm like, I ain't here to harass you guys. I was just here to just check up on everyone and yeah. see what You guys are up. To. He was like, I'm not here to like. Dude, these
1: kids will teach you with respect, man. Yeah. If you treat them the same way, you
2: know what I mean. I mean, I, I tried. I can't even tell you how many times I I said that statement over and over. And you right. know, because they they had me doing. You know, I was I was literally the county's gang expert, quote unquote, mm-hmm. for so long. But I'm like you treat me as your gang expert. You want a dog and pony show and then walk me around to all these uh, judges and be like, this is our gang expert. Look at all this stuff he knows. It's like, yeah, I know this stuff because I've been through a lot of this stuff Correct. and these kids tell me everything. It's like, because they trust me. Right. I was like, but then at the same time, it's like, you, you don't, you, know, you don't want to yeah. you don't want to take my, my my word for it exactly you know? it's like here's what i would recommend you do in this situation is like oh, right. screw that it's like don't listen to any of that stuff like, we just need you for the intel it's like well then mm-hmm. if that's the case and you can do it you're the pd you figure it out yeah. Jesus, man. yeah
0: i mean it seems like one of the most important pieces again we've talked about this uh, before and but i mean accountability and in, in all yeah. facets of of everything about you know from from you know the people that are troubled and kids that that, you know don't have as much direction all the way up to police officers and po's and i mean it's accountability and understanding and again you know realizing that we are all people trying to help each other um as a basis of of everything and it seems seems super important um so i mean we have we have a couple more minutes left so i guess if you guys have any other you know thoughts or anything to
2: to wrap up or i mean the only thing that came to mind was just like bigger picture stuff it's just right. like you know i i missed a job to be honest with you it's like, i love doing yeah. that job it's just the place changed so much i just i want and i wanted to work with the youth that i left but so i still do like social activism with like yeah. you know groups in the community and stuff and it's like bigger picture it's like it's it's a it's a socioeconomic thing. it's about capitalism it's like it's who benefits from this stuff it's like that's they made the mistake of giving me this gang intervention class at camp and not giving me like a curriculum. So I got to teach the kids whatever the hell I wanted. Yeah. So they'd be like, you, you pick the top dog in every neighborhood. And you tell like, them, why would you do that, first of all? I was like, but whatever. So I would do that and I picked Dude, them. that
1: pissed me off that they told <laughs> yeah, you that. Yeah,
2: exactly. Right? Because That's like, what they
1: tried to get me for. It's like, yeah, no,
2: yeah. it's not. Uh. So, they, so they told me to do that. It's like, but you know, teach them gang intervention. And I'm like, basically, I would take the time to teach them and be like, look at this. And I would I'd draw them a little upside down mm-hmm. pyramid and stuff like that. I'd be like, look you guys are all, you're, you're all from Santa Barbara. You're all of the same ethnicity. I was like, a lot of you guys grew up playing marbles together and shit like that. I said, and now here you are like stabbing each other and this and that. By the time you hit 18, your homies in county all of uh-huh. a sudden because now the, the whole thing's changed. You know what I mean? The dynamics of the politics change and all that. I said, but it's a trap, dude. I was like, it's, like, it's a trap the second you get into it. And I said, and you're literally doing it. I said, these people that are on the top that control all the wealth and everything, you know, big picture. I was like, you're no threat to them when you're out there stabbing each other and doing that kind of stuff. I you're said, making them f- money. I said, You're doing their job for them. Yeah. It's like you said, it's like they want to keep them incarcerated. It's like, because you guys are like really the revolutionary class on the bottom that could make shit change. I was like, Because you guys are the ones that are the most impacted by You're the ones on the bottom, yeah. bottom, bottom. You know what I mean? I was like, The very bottom of the pyramid. So it's like, That's a, and that's a massive group of people. It's yeah. just like, you know, it's like, the, that's a group that they needed okay we need to make sure that group don't rise up against they us, have to you know keep fighting exactly. amongst themselves yeah so, so they don't worry down on the top And as long as they're fighting amongst themselves it's like so if anything it's like that that's kind of where, what i try to do now it's like kind of limited in what i could do as a teacher as opposed to when i was a po but it's like as far as what i do now like activism wise that's a lot of what i try to do is just have those same kind of like talks with with groups of kids and kids that i know is just kind of like about that kind of stuff like this this is bigger than gang banging on the street this is i said you want to see gang banging on a whole different level look into capitalism and how the world is running that this this is like this is how shit goes like yeah, you know yeah. you know
1: it's funny fine. everything you just said right now is what we were doing with palabra yeah and they try to get us for um creating us what the d.a called a super gang they call it gang politicking yeah you know what i mean that's and true. it's crazy even now like when you look at restorative justice you know that's the word yeah. that everyone likes to throw out oh yeah They get their buzzwords every few years. Correct. So restorative justice, that's the way things function in the prisons. Like, you know, I mean, to make sure that we don't have unnecessary violence or anything else. But when white people want to do it, restorative justice. But when we want to do it in our community, to minimize the violence and everything else, they hit you with that gang enhancement, conspiracy charges. Gang politicking and everything else, which and is exactly what you were doing. Exactly, but teaching them, and they—they they were telling you to do it. Right. They just didn't. Know they what I just was didn't doing want them. us to do it.
2: Yeah, and it's like you know, me being a white guy and an officer, they're not expecting me to go in there and teach them Marxist stuff and be like, hey, you know, right. this, this is how the world really works. You know what I mean? I was like, so it's like that—that's not what they're expecting. They think I'm teaching them, you know, whatever some law enforcement perspective on gang and mm-hmm. shaking my finger at them and yeah. you know, you stay off the streets and stop the violence. It's like. It's bigger than that. that's what I was trying to teach the Guys, it's bigger look than that. Bigger look, look look at how much you guys have in common. I said, But they got right. you guys going at it left and right over what? I said, How many of you guys in here? I'd, I'd have a, how many you raise your hand if you're I'm gonna go out on a limb and just say none of you, but let's just see how many of your parents own own the house that you live in. I don't live in the no house, I live in an apartment. Okay, well who owns the apartment building? It's just like yeah. I like, you see the bigger you see what I'm getting at here? And it's like little by little you'd see as the weeks go on, some of them be like, Little wheels are the fuck? Like, This is like this is all messed up and I'm like yeah, dude, it's like it's a it's a lot bigger than that. I encourage you to like you know keep. I said when you do something like say Fred Hampton from the Black Panthers for example, mm-hmm. they're just coming out the movie about him like on HBO Max or something, yeah. right? It's like perfect example. Dude gets gunned down in his bed like f- lying face down while he's asleep. It's yeah. just like that's what happens. I said, but why do you think that happened? I always use him as an example. Why do you think that happened? I said because that guy united the gangs of Chicago yeah. in the nineteen sixties. To, under one common banner of just like, look, guys, we're all the same class. It's like we should yeah. we should not be beefing with each other. It's like, but you get someone that intelligent to be speaking to to that you know that revolutionary class of like kids, yeah. you know, it's like that's scary to to, to like the ruling Dude, class so when they thing. see those people yeah. uniting and and starting to figure it out. Like, yeah. wait a minute, if we just stop beefing with each other focus on them no. you know it's like now we got this you know it's like they don't want that it's like now you're a threat to them i said like, when you're educated and you have this all figured out now you're a threat to them but as long yeah. as you just keep gangbanging and stabbing each other it's like, you ain't no threat to the system yeah. like it's like you you make the system
1: it's like dude it's fucking great i've always said man um when i first started doing this work people would be like so what you're gangbanger <laughs> like yeah i'm out but i really look at gangbanging i look at every gangbanger as a community activist yeah just an uninformed community activist. Because the minute you spark that knowledge in them, it's kind of like, dude, I already have the love for the community. What do, I, what do I need to do
2: in order to make it better as opposed yeah. to hurting my own thing? Yeah, and you, know? and you know, like when the best part of them having me pick the the big dogs or whatever they want to call it, it's like, it's like, those are the kids that they have that charisma and the like, leadership, you know, leadership quality, qualities. Yeah. Or it's like, even dudes from other neighborhoods respect yeah. them. It's like, those are the kids you, you get through to them you create, and that, that clicks in their head. It's like, yeah. and they start teaching that to like the, the people in their neighborhood. It's like, that that's a threat to like the people above them. It's like, but... You know, you, you were there when, when you had like
1: David, uh, uh, the homie blue, you know who blue is. So yeah, yeah. 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 Right. So that yeah. was one of my first kids and everything right. else, dude, that kid, man, <laughs> I had so much love for that kid really wanted to be from the neighborhood. Like, hey, I really want to get in. and I want to join my neighborhood. I'm like, why motherfucker? Yeah. yeah.
2: Like,
1: only family and friends. You're not going to find it here in the neighborhood. <laughs> like everything you're looking for, you're not going to find it in the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, honestly. You know, and I was able to keep him out of things. Well, I gave him information. He made those decisions to stay out of it. But now, dude, homie has like three businesses that he yeah. opened up on his own. Immigrant, right? Best fucking kid, man. And yeah. he's going to be one of my kids that I bring in here as well to have a conversation. But, you know, when I he had probation, I used to tell him, I said, hey, my boy, don't smoke weed because it's part of your terms and conditions. So don't smoke weed while you're on probation because once you get off, it, then you can do everything you want, right? Yeah, it it's almost the same thing. And it was funny because once he did, like, he, would, he contacted me because he used to come to the program all the time and he contact me. He's like, hey, Jay, like, I really don't talk to half the people that I was hanging out with. Well, why not? Because you don't have anything in common with them no more. I'm So that's good. Like, now you're starting clear head. Yeah. You start making different decisions and everything else. That was my first batch of kids for Palabra, dude. I didn't lose none of those kids, yeah. man. They all made it. to be successful
2: and everything else. Uh, yeah. I get shocked sometimes when kids hit me up on like Facebook or send me a message they remember stuff that I told them I don't even remember telling yeah. them that I'm like it sounds like something I would have said I don't remember saying it but like I'm glad you remember it's like, so it's like you know knowing that I had a, a, an impact that they still remember 10 years later 12 years later that's cool you know it's like I, that's what I miss about. Hey, you're like, getting like, out of hand yourself <laughs> you're getting out of hand dog this yeah. homie's always getting
1: on Facebook jail <laughs> dog every time I see it like just got out yeah. I'm going back in I'm like,
2: God damn, my boy. But you do say a lot of shit that I can't say. I just, uh, you know what I mean. I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut. It's always, it could be for better or worse. But it's like when I feel strongly about something, it's like I'm gonna say something. So. God, I'm telling you, I see your <laughs> shit,
1: and I'll, I'll push a heart on it i be like, I definitely agree with that, but I'm a brown man. I cannot say that shit because they will look at it and castrize me from the community. That's life, true, so. dude. It's like, it's, it's,
2: it's like true. Like, when you're white, it's like you you can say like some pretty radical, you know, far left stuff, and it's like you can get away with it. It's like whereas if you're a, you know, minority, that's a whole different. Now you're a major threat. It's yeah. like, it's like it's different ballgame. Like, I mean,
0: well, I mean, there there's clearly a lot to digest from this whole conversation, yeah. and I mean, it's. It was great i mean hearing your perspective on everything and um clearly there's a lot uh, of conversation to be had still and a lot of work to be done about you know bringing everyone together and giving everyone perspective of how things actually work and accountability of everyone's actions and what they're doing and how they contribute to everything and uh, you know letting people understand how they can actually do things that they want to do and make decisions for themselves and live the life that they want to do um so you know, we appreciate uh, you coming on and, yeah. and giving your perspective. Yeah, most anyways. definitely,
2: man. Most yeah. definitely, I, I was really like, thankful for that. When you asked, I was more than happy. I was like, I, was, I said, "What's the what's this all about?" And you were telling me what it was for. Like, yeah, you can sign me up. You just let me know when and where, and I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm always down to you know talk about this stuff. And, and I mean, not expose, but yeah, pretty much expose no, uh, ha- how this system really is. It's like how they portray themselves and how it actually. It's like it's not what they pretend it is it's just, yeah, yeah. and i
1: you know i'm gonna ask you back especially because once we release these and people have questions yeah, or yeah. certain things come up we definitely want to have you back yeah, or yeah. even open it up to other people and yeah, sure. law enforcement to want to be participating in a conversation yeah you
0: yeah, know? yeah once we once we have bigger conversations with this we'll it'll yeah. definitely we'll definitely get you involved again. Yeah. and um and i mean clearly there's so many different facets of it to to, to touch on but you know and we only have some so much time and we've, we've talked about a lot today so that's yeah. that's great and um, I appreciate everyone that's still listening and um, Most definitely. I mean if, if you're involved in anything with uh, grants or funding or, or any of these conversations feel free to shoot me an email nick at lensander media l-e-n-s-a-n-d-e-r dot media and you know, we'd love to talk to you um, clearly there's a lot of conversations to be had on, on both sides of this and um yeah so i appreciate appreciate gene being here and, and or JP. Even
1: having a different perspective <laughs> we love to hear all the yeah, perspectives that's why we're here
0: that's why we're here that's why we're here to talk and uh, understand each other and um hopefully bring move the conversation forward yeah, so no. uh again gene thank you for being yeah, here appreciate, appreciate you appreciate you and jp as always Likewise, uh, we'll we'll see you guys in the next episode thank you for joining us